The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so glad you've joined us today. We have a message to share that will not be easy, but one that we need to hear. 
do not make God harden your heart. Do not make God harden your heart. I'm going to read for you Revelation, beginning in chapter 15. Verse 7, Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl onto the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his blood on the sea, or his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood, like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in the judgments. You who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and the prophets, and you've given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over the plagues. But they refused to repent or to glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and the kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they refused to repent of what they had done. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They're spirits of demons performing miracles and signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the battle of the great day of the Lord Almighty. Verse 16, Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. I've shared these 
terrible plagues that are going to come upon the earth. We're right at the door. Chapter 7, verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So the Lord is going to take his people home. When is this going to happen? I don't know. I can argue a rapture. But when is that rapture? I know Jesus is coming to take his people home. But when is he going to do that? I don't know. Let me go back now in the book of Revelation. And I'm sharing these things with you because this is a trial run. The story of Moses is a trial run for the end of time. Jesus is coming again. And he is going to take his people out of the control of this world or Pharaoh, and he is going to take us into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I know that this is going to happen. The promise is there. It is sure. Now, in Revelation, we find the seals. And frankly, it appears that the seals span time from the very beginning of the coming of Jesus, the time of the end, all the way until finally he comes and the great day of wrath has come and the judgments are poured out. And it looks like these things later in Revelation happen simultaneously with these various seals. Now, we have the seals, we have the trumpets, and we have the thunders. We don't know what the thunders are. John was told, seal that up, don't write it, don't describe it. So I don't know what those thunders are going to be. And then we have the final seven bowls of God's wrath that he pours out on those who have received the mark of the beast. So we have seven seals. And I believe today, and this is disputable, but I believe today we are in the third seal. Let me read it for you. Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. So in other words, it'll take a man one full day's work to buy enough food for one day's survival. I think that's where we're coming right now. As we see famine coming on America, as we see the grocery stores are going to be empty, we're watching as the drought and the fires, 
the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the earthquakes. Please, may I be very bold with you? We are in the time of the end. We are in the time of the end. And things are not going to get better. They're going to get much, much worse. And the judgments of God are going to be poured out. And will there be breaks between the judgments? Yes, I believe there will be times of respite, even as there was in the day of Moses. Again, I believe that it is a dress rehearsal. Moses was a dress rehearsal for what we're beginning to go through now. We're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But now let's go back to the story of Moses. A couple of things I I need to say to you. There are desperate lies being taught today in the American church. And we have spread those lies all over the world. One of those lies is that God loves us unconditionally. Revelation proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that God does not love unconditionally, that God is a God of love and a God of judgment, and that he will bring judgment upon sinners. If you look at at this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to turn to it quickly, quote it for you, but I want to read it so that you have no doubt that I'm actually giving you Scripture. If you look at the end of chapter 6, at the end of chapter 6, there is this statement that is stunning. Chapter 6, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. But the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God is a God of righteous love, forgiving sins, removing them from our lives, and he is a God of judgment. And it is desperately important that you understand that God is a God of judgment and not choose to behave in ways that will cause God to harden your heart. And you will go to hell. I don't want you to do that. I want you to let the Holy Spirit quicken your heart, turn you from your sin, Receive redemption and forgiveness by the blood of Jesus and walk clean with him 
in joy and in thanksgiving, knowing that he is able and he will do what he's promised. It's not by might, it's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 7, we find a very different attitude in Moses. In chapter 6, Moses is still having difficulty with God. He's still arguing. He says, I'm speaking with faltering lips, uncircumcised lips. I can't do this. But chapter 7, there is a brand new Moses. And this is what I pray for you and for me. A brand new person, filled with boldness, ready to proclaim the gospel of Jesus wherever we go, being fearless. Moses becomes absolutely fearless in chapter 7 of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. And you are to say what I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Now, I'm not going to try to compromise the word of God. Those who say, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. No. The scriptures say, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Remember, God is a God of love and mercy, but he's a God of judgment. And when you cross a line with God, he will harden your heart so hard, you will utterly resist every demonstration of grace he makes for you. I pray none of you today have crossed that line where you now harden your heart. The Lord speaks to you about known rebellion and sin in your heart. He has said to you, if not now, when will you turn your heart? And you've not turned your heart. You didn't consider it that important. And finally, you come into a very hard attitude where you say, well, this is just who I am, and God's going to have to put up with me the way I am, and I can't help it. You've hardened your heart. And it's going to take a great demonstration of God's mercy and grace, and I have seen it happen where he comes one more time and he breaks through that hard shell and he says, okay, mister, get on your face. 
Okay, woman, get on your face. Confess your sin, and I'll restore you. But don't risk that, because he might not. He might say, you have crossed over, and I can't help you. You are cast down. God did not owe us salvation. God owed us hell because of our sins. None of us are entitled to a loving God. None of us are entitled to mercy. None of us are entitled to salvation or redemption. We have sinned against the Almighty, and the penalty of sin is death. And it's only His forbearance and mercy and kindness it's only by his grace that he comes and he rescues us if, in fact, we don't harden our hearts. If we don't harden our hearts. If you harden your heart, there will come a time when he will not return to you. And your heart be destroyed. Now, I also want to say to you that in the midst of God's judgment, if it's not the final judgment on your life, there is yet mercy. I've known of men who, well, I'll tell you about one man. I was walking with my daddy. I was a little boy. I was holding on to his big hand. We were going into a store, and out of the store came a man. This was a man that my father knew and had encouraged to follow Jesus. But he had been rebellious, and he had continued following the way of darkness. He would come to church on occasion, but he had never made a commitment to the Lord, and my dad that day stood there with him and talked to him about Jesus and encouraged him to take a stand for the Lord. And he smilingly brushed my father's words away. The next morning, our phone rang. It was this man's wife. He was a very serious Christian. And she said to my father, Please come. My husband, when I woke up this morning, he didn't stir, and I checked him and he was dead. She was weeping. The undertaker was coming. I said, but Daddy, he didn't choose to follow Jesus. And my father simply said, no, Ray. 
His time of judgment is now. That's terrifying. Pharaoh has chosen to harden his heart. And God came and totally hardened his heart. Now, there are those who want to say, no, God would not harden a man's heart. It's unconditional love. Not true. It's a lie. Now, there's another lie that's very popular, and that lie we've spoken of before, but I need in the context of this message to share it quickly. And that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for my past, present, and future sins. And that I'm never able to live a righteous life. I'm always going to be sinning against the Lord in everything I do, but I'm covered because Jesus paid for it at the cross. That's a lie. What Jesus did at the cross was make provision for my sin, past, present, and future. And my job is now to come and repent before the Lord, and repentance includes change and turning away from the darkness and entering into the light. Jesus is today ministering in the heavenly sanctuary. What is he ministering? He's ministering his blood to each human person who turns from their sin. Jesus is in the headquarters of the universe. He's in the temple of God. And he is ministering to us by his blood. And he's sharing with us the benefits of the atonement he made on the cross. It's not by works. It's by faith. I rejoice in this. But now, let's look. God has a plan of action. He's going to stretch out his hand against Egypt. He is going to bring the children of Israel out. And God is going to stretch his hand out against America. And very soon, you will see those judgments begin to fall on America. They're already falling. The beginning is already happening. We're seeing it in drought, in fires. We're seeing it in every kind of physical realm. Now, we're going to begin to talk about the plagues that fell on Egypt. But I want to tell you, the plagues initially falling on Egypt were plagues that disrupted lifestyle. And God is going to come, and he is now beginning to disrupt lifestyle in America. That's what the whole COVID-19 thing did. It disrupted our comfort zones, closed our businesses, caused people to be kicked out of their homes. It's causing a great discomfort for many people. 
And it's going to create even more discomfort as grocery stores are not able to keep up and the prices keep skyrocketing. Now watch. Moses is now an 80-year-old man, 40 years taking care of sheep, 40 years in Pharaoh's household. Aaron is 83 years old. Now, the Lord told them, go to Pharaoh, perform the miracle, Tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. He threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh, and it became a snake. Now the sorcerers came, and they did the same thing, but Moses' staff ate the staffs, the snakes, of Pharaoh's uh, musicians, of their enchanters. They're sorcerers, clearly saying the power of God is greater than you have. So this is a a titanic battle going on for the people of God between Pharaoh and the devil and the living God of heaven. This is what we see starting now. This is a, a huge opening salvo of a battle between the Lord God of heaven and the devil. Now, if you don't have that worldview, you will say to yourself, well, I'm just going to hang on and things are going to get better. No, they're not. The battle's on. I'll tell you what I expect to have happen out of my prayer closet with the Lord. I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet. I am a watchman. My sense is God is going to send great judgments upon America. Judgments we have never seen in our lives. Our comfort level, yea, even our physical health, will be dramatically impacted. And as all of this trouble begins to be poured out on America, As the pain level rises, revival will take place. And many people will say, I must turn to Jesus. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, he's going to give to those who serve him the power to heal the sick and to restore them. As they confess their sins, as they repent of their sins, as they enter into Jesus, Jesus is the ark, and he will deliver. But there will also come then great physical persecution, and I believe many, yea, even in America, are going to be executed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secular people are saying, the question, is America going to go totally Hitleristic, like the Nazis? It looks like we're headed that direction. Freedoms are being ripped away from Americans. 
demands are being made for medical treatments that are unnecessary. Incredible lies are being spoken. And many, many, many are the deceived. Now, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He does not respond to the snakes. So the next morning, Pharaoh goes out to bathe in the Nile River. So they were waiting for him on the bank, and when he came out, he poured water. He struck the water with his staff, and it turned to blood. What's it mean? Well, when blood begins to flow, somebody's dying. The blood being poured out is death. And Moses is saying, by God speaking, death is going to come on the land of Egypt if you do not release God's people to go to the promised land. All the fish died. The river, you couldn't drink the water. It stunk. It was rotten. All the streams and canals, all the ponds, the reservoirs, they all turned to blood. They turned to death. Pharaoh, if he had had any sense in his heart of reality, he would have said, this man, Moses, is more powerful than my magicians, and he's now saying that if I don't listen to him, people are going to die in mass in my nation didn't listen. Because the Egyptian mag magicians, they did the same thing by their secret arts, and they made blood appear. Now, the problem with that, the miracle would have been if they could have removed the blood, then Pharaoh would have had a legitimate reason to say, oh, my magicians remove your curse, so we're back in good standing. Didn't happen. Instead, when the magicians did their tricks, they brought even more blood and more death. So, seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. Now, frog, they worship the Nile, but they also worship frogs. Frogs were sacred to them. You don't kill a frog. So now the Lord demonstrates that he is the Lord of the frogs. He is the Lord of their gods. He can control what their gods do. So now, suddenly, The whole land is filled with frogs. The frogs are getting up in their kitchen. They're getting in their kneading boards. They're, they're getting in their beds. They're, they're climbing in their ovens. Frogs are everywhere. So, Pharaoh says, will you remove the frogs? Yes. Oh, by the way, the magicians of Pharaoh tried doing the same, and they produced even more frogs. God's in charge. 
I want you to hear that today. If you don't hear anything else from this message, would you hear this, please? God is in charge, not man. God is in charge, not Mr. Biden. Not the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party. They can play their games, but God is in charge. Don't miss that. Don't mistake that. And God is on a countdown for the final coming of Messiah to take his people home. We're going to be out of here soon, people. We're going home to be with Jesus. But that means you have to be walking clean, washed in the blood. If you're not, you're not going to go home with him. You're going to face death. Oh, brother, sister. Pharaoh says, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Pharaoh says, Would you take them away tomorrow? Then I know it's your God doing it. Okay. And the next day, all the frogs died and were stinking heaps of filth all over the land. The stench of frogs went up. It was unbearable. These are, these are lifestyle plagues. Then in chapter 8, verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their sacred arts, they could not do it. And the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. He would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Now, what's interesting is that God is going to change tactics. He's going to deal differently with the land of Goshen. But, by the way, not with the gnats. Water? No water to drink. Blood all over. Filthy frogs everywhere. Gnats everywhere, biting, getting in your eyes. Lifestyle plagues. God is bringing lifestyle plagues right now on the land of America, in the Western world, in China and Asia. God is bringing lifestyle plagues. Do not mistake this. These things are not happening by chance. They are not random events. The floods are not random events. The drought is not a random event. God is bringing lifestyle plagues on the whole world. Soon, however, he is going to move beyond lifestyle plagues 
and he's going to deal directly with income plagues. Your source of income destroyed. Some of that has already begun. And then he's going to go to plagues that will kill you. And finally, finally, Pharaoh will say, get out of my land. Finally, the devil will be cast in Revelation 20 into the pit and it will be closed, and he will be in prison for 1,000 years. Remember, Moses is a dress rehearsal for what's coming in our day. Already, it's happening. Already, we see the plagues. They're falling. Don't think you can go back and live as normal. You are not going to go back and live as normal, even though there will be brief respites between the onslaught of various plagues as the seals are opened. Devastation is going to come, and death will be widespread. Events will take place that will kill a third of all the people on the earth. A comet is going to fall from the sky. Wormwood. That's coming in your lifetime. Probably before 1930 or 2030. It's coming soon. Now the question is, Remember, all of this was about one thing. The question is, will you sacrifice and make offering to Jesus? That's what all of this is about. This is about the people of God going to offer sacrifices to the living God of heaven. This is about the worship of Almighty God. This is not just some casual thing that's happening. This is this is sacrifice time. Let me read it for you. Romans, the twelfth chapter. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... That's what we've been experiencing year after year after year. We've been experiencing in America the mercy of God. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world or this age but be transformed by the renovation of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the Apostle Paul in Romans, the 12th chapter, 
is calling every Christian to offer your body on the altar of burnt offering as a living martyr to Jesus, as a living sacrifice. But some of you insist on offering your bodies to Netflix or offering your bodies to the Internet or to the Game Boy. You insist on a synchronistic religion where you are a Christian, but you're a part-time Christian. You're not a real Christian. So you enjoy the things of the world. You enjoy the things of the flesh. You go after them. You seek after them. You want the alcohol you want. You want to smoke what you want to smoke. You want to watch the pornography if that's what you love. You want to watch television, the wicked entertainment of the world. Simply ask the question, does this that I am looking at come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or does it come from the tree of life? If it comes from the tree of life, you're in a good place. If it's just the world, cut it off. You're called to be a sacrifice. The whole issue with God and Moses and Pharaoh, I want my people to be free to go out into the world, the desert, and there offer sacrifices to me, and there to worship me. Are you doing that? Or are you compromised? So in the final run-up, for which Moses was just a dress rehearsal, the whole issue will again be, let my people go, devil. Let my people go, world. Let my people go, flesh. Let them come and sacrifice to me. Let them come and worship me and no longer be your slaves. I tell you, as I come to this broadcast, my heart is so eager that you should no longer be a slave to anything of the world, the flesh, or the devil. That you should be free now to worship the Lord Almighty that you should be free to celebrate and rejoice, worshiping with praise and worship before his throne. The children of Israel, they wanted to come before God and offer their sacrifice. They wanted to have their praise and their worship. And then they wanted to go and serve darkness. And it made the Lord so angry. He finally said through Jeremiah, through Isaiah, I'm going to destroy the nation. The Lord is going to destroy the American Christian church in every place. It's unwilling to leave the world, the flesh, and the devil. The church is not a business. The church is not a culture. 
the church is the body of Jesus Christ. It's made up of men and women who have made a covenant by sacrifice to Jesus. They have sacrificed their bodies as living martyrs for the Lord Jesus Christ. And now what they talk about is Jesus. What they talk about is the Word of God. Where they go is focused on this is God's will. This is what he's called me to. They no longer seek for themselves. They seek for the kingdom of God. They build the kingdom of God with their time, with their energy, with their money. It scares me. I talk with some of you and you say, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time. Time to pull back. The only reason you should be on that job is as a witness and a testimony to Jesus, not to make more money. You should be there to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person you meet. You should be there expecting the glory of God to carry you, to be in you, and to build the kingdom of God. You cannot go to the baseball games, the professional baseball games, and the professional football games, and the Olympics, and the Tour de France, and this, and this, and this. Always something to attract you, to take your eyes off Jesus. And so you sit for hours filled with the world, hardening your heart. I don't want you to harden your heart against Jesus. And I don't want you to force God to harden your heart like stone without any mercy. For God is a God of love and justice. He's a God of love and judgment. And every person is going to be rewarded according to what they have done either in the flesh or in the spirit. If in the spirit it's the power of God moving in us, enabling us to walk in righteousness and holiness, being sold out to Jesus. So what is your what is your condition before God today? What is your condition before Almighty God today? Is your heart hard? Is it calloused? Or is your heart tender? And you can go before the Lord and begin to weep over the souls of lost men and women. Are you concerned about building the kingdom of God? Is that the central focus of your heart and your life? Or is the central focus of your heart and your life making money to take care of your family? making money to buy the luxuries you desire, making money to take the vacations you want. All of this is coming to a screeching halt in America. God is sending forth plagues upon this nation. You best be prepared. You best have some food put back. You best have a way to defend yourself. 
It must be absolutely hidden away in Jesus Christ. It must be a living sacrifice. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to put away food. I have. I'm not saying it's wrong to be able to defend yourself. I can. But that's not where my interest lies. My attention, my interest, the desire of my heart is for Jesus and his righteousness that I could be in the desert of this world and lift my hands up and praise and honor the name of Jesus and glorify his name. Death is coming upon this land. I don't know how and I don't know when. I know it's already here in part with the crime that's going on in Chicago and L.A., San Francisco, Portland, utterly, utterly wicked cities, Denver. Denver's the one that grieves my heart the most because Denver, Colorado was my birth land. It's my birthplace. And it breaks my heart to see Denver filled with violence and and wickedness and sin. It used to be such a beautiful city. It's no longer, it's a hellhole. I wouldn't go to Denver now for any reason, any more than I would go to L.A. or San Francisco or Chicago. I don't even like to go downtown Washington, D.C. It's not safe. It's very dangerous. Soon everywhere is going to be very dangerous. The plagues of God are beginning to fall. And they are falling to cause America to repent. To turn from our wicked ways. Because God intends to take out of this land those dedicated to himself. To those who are walking not in the lies of the modern church, but in the church that is the actual body of Jesus Christ. To the church that's real. Not the religious church. The body church. The church that is filled with the glory of Almighty God and baptized in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're coming down to the end of the broadcast today. I want to pray with you. Lord, I come today very sober with a hurting heart for America, with a, a broken and hurting heart for your church. For I know you love your church. And you see that your bride has been raped by the devil. You see the darkness and the wickedness and the vileness of the modern American church that is in full-blown apostasy. Lord, I rejoice that you are calling out of that those men and women, boys and girls, who will give themselves utterly to you 
You're hiding them away all over this nation. I pray, Lord, as your judgments come upon America, that American church people will not harden their hearts like Pharaoh did. I pray that you will not have to harden the hearts to demonstrate your power and your justice. I pray, O oh Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your presence, for your glory. O oh Lord, send forth your glory in America. Send forth your Holy Spirit in America, not to harden our hearts, but to open them and bring revival and cause your church to repent. Please, Jesus, the need is so desperate. Shake us out of this wicked place of, of lukewarmness. Set a fire in our hearts, Lord. Ignite us with your fire. And we will praise you and honor you and glorify your name. Lord, thank you.